Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, and I am joined by Derek Terry today. Uh, Derek, maybe sooner than what I guess we'd hoped, but maybe not sooner than we had planned. Uh, we are having to kind of talk about the the season coming to an end, and and we're going to get into what happened yesterday between Kentucky and K-State. We're probably going to get into some big picture stuff, and then that will be the main topic of conversation probably over the next six weeks is not as much about the second round tourney loss, but where Kentucky is as a program now. And I think that's probably the bigger story than what happened yesterday in Greensboro, but just some quick thoughts on what you saw on TV and just kind of where you are. And I mean, it's, it is what it is at this point, right? Like, no, it is. Well, I mean, a tough loss, you know, a game that, you know, really didn't get away from him until what the last two minutes. You know, kid, um, I would butcher his name, uh, but the the four for Kansas State, I think his only bucket was it was his only bucket of the game. You know, he hits the three there to make it 64 62. And after that, you know, Kentucky was sadly kind of done for once Keontae Johnson hit that next one. Um, you know, they closed it out well, and it's tough because there's a point, Sean. I mean, you. You didn't feel great at halftime, I don't think. I mean, I didn't feel great with how it played out. Um, but then to open the the second half on a on a pretty big run and to be up eight, you know, I felt like they were probably going to have a chance to close on it. Um, unfortunately, did not, and I think it sucks for for Jacob Toppin. I think he's almost certainly uh, played his last game at Kentucky, and to go one for seven, you know, fouled out, just didn't have a great day, and you know, he he played pretty well against Providence on Friday night, and, and then for. For Antonio, we'll see what he chooses to do, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. But it's it's glaring, right? Whenever a guy that you needed to to play well goes one for fifteen, one for ten from three, and that one that he made was at the very end of the game. I don't love to hear John Calipari just use this tired phrase over and over of you can't you don't have to make them all, but you just can't miss them all. But that is one instance I think it was probably true. Like my goodness, man. Uh, just a rough outing, but yeah, I think my big picture thoughts on this team though is like very flawed. Clearly, this was not a, a great season. It's kind of a weird thing to say because it was definitely not Cal's very worst team, but in terms of the teams that actually did make it to the NCAA tournament, this definitely felt like the one that had the least chance uh, to advance. I, I got to think, and tell me if you kind of felt, felt this way at all. I almost felt like the messaging from Cal coming into this NCAA tournament was very similar to the SEC tournament messaging in 2021 when they were going to have to win the SEC tournament just to, you know, they were to win what, like four straight games just to make the NCAAs. It kind of felt that way to me, like trying to keep them very loose, get them to believe that, you know, a run was possible. 
but we knew that that was going to be a very tall task for this team to accomplish any kind of, of memorable run this March. Yeah. And I, I actually thought that they were winning yesterday and thought so even more when Lance Ware got that dunk and put them up four there late in the game. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a Lance moment here where an unlikely hero comes up and, and makes a, a big play late, but it, it didn't work out. K-State hit shots when it mattered. And Kentucky never did. And I think the biggest thing about the game is it wasn't – I don't know if it was necessarily just the missed shots by Antonio Reeves because I feel like that this Kentucky team – I don't think it was a very good Kentucky team. But they gave themselves a chance because they were elite in one category and it was rebounding, especially in the offensive rebounding category. If this team hadn't been able to rebound its misses, they probably would have been a 12 or 13 win team and not even playing in the NCAA tournament. Like I – I think that that gave them a chance, but it felt like early on there were points in this game where Kentucky missed opportunities to kind of take control and really go on a run. They went on the run to start the second half, but there were points in that first half where that run should have happened then too, and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't string possessions together. Defensively, I mean, obviously they they did enough. Th those shots at the end were contested threes. Yeah, good I mean, shots. Those, those weren't high percentage looks at all. In, in K State, drilled three of them down the stretch and four of them in the final, I think, five or six minutes of the game. But you hate to put it all on a guy like Antonio Reeves because, because Kentucky still had chances to win the game, had it limited turnovers. I said going into the game that I thought the the turnover margin was going to be key. Uh, Kentucky had sixteen and, and K State had eight, but K State didn't convert on a lot of those opportunities. So it's it's not like those possessions came back to kill Kentucky on the other end. It was just chances. And then I think I saw, I think it was Sean Vinsel put up today that of Reeves' 14 missed shots, Kentucky got an offensive rebound on seven of them. So half his shots were? Half his shots, Kentucky got possession again, and I think they only scored on maybe two of those. Mm. So there's, wow. there's just other areas of the game there where you look and like, did him missing shots crush Kentucky? It didn't help, but they got Kaysen hit a three, Chris hit a three, CJ hit a three. If if Reeves hits maybe one more and he's two of ten, then maybe you're you're not having to foul in that situation late in the game and, and, and do things. But that's basketball. Like it's Kentucky got to a point the last couple of years, and this is where we're going to move into bigger picture because I just don't feel like there's a ton to really talk about what happened no. yesterday. Like I don't crush John Calipari for that loss. And I've not been on Twitter like I was post St. Peter's last year saying that this is unacceptable and something needs to be done. Like I'm not calling for his job. I don't think that the result was his fault entirely in that moment. I think that this was kind of the way it was going to be for a couple of years because they missed so badly in recruiting that they had to go portal and they had to, this was their roster. This was their bridge for a couple of years they're back to the elite freshman, the elite of the elite in a class. We don't know what these guys are going to look like compared to the greatest over college basketball history or whatever, what Calipari's done at Kentucky and Memphis and wherever in the one and done here. But I just felt like that this was going to be the thing, but they were a two seed a year ago. They were a six seed this season. You had an all, you had a generational player in Oscar Sheboy, but I think that the, the message is pounded home here, Derek, that guards win you games in March. And Kentucky just never had consistency at that position due to in injuries, 
Reeves would have a big game, then you have an off game. There was just no consistency in the backcourt this year. There wasn't. I mean, Kaysen, speaking of guys who did play well yesterday, I mean. Best game Kaysen, in a long time. Yeah, they probably played one of his best games at Kentucky. You know, nine for 11 from the field, nine rebounds, you know, uh, finished with 21 points, four assists, did turn it over five times. Um, yeah, not going to spend a whole lot more time on that game yesterday. One one thing I didn't like at all, it's just perplexing to me, I guess, just the passing from this team, uh, a bad passing team. This was not a good group when it came to passing the basketball into the post. I thought Toppin really struggled yesterday at times. Just not a good day from him. But he is a kid, though, over the course of the season, no doubt. I mean, he had a, a really bad stretch there right around Christmas and then came back. And that second half of the season, I thought he – you know, improved a, a whole lot. And I think he's put himself in a spot where he could be a professional. I hope that for him. Um, but no, Sean, I think you're right. The, the bigger picture, I, I would tend to agree in terms of yesterday. Like, yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do if Antonio Reeves goes one for 15 and Jacob Toppin goes one for seven. It's, it's asking a whole lot of other guys to find a way to will them through. But it was just the season as a whole is clearly – and I mentioned it the last time I was on here with just very few marquee wins in the non-conference, just some of the losses. It was just a, it was a rough season, but to get to the tournament, I mean, maybe the only thing they did accomplish <laughs> uh, was snapping that streak, but uh, of, of tournament, uh, you know, making it out of the first round anyway and winning a tournament game. But, you know, in general, in the context of Kentucky basketball, this will not be a remembered season overall. Um no. But you have to hope next year moving forward. I am curious to see, you know, I, I, as we record this, Cal's final radio show is going on, and he's, you know, already made the comment that next year's freshman group is the kind of group that they used to get. And you mentioned that, you know, they are the number one class. When you look at what they have brought in, it's it's clearly, you know, only Duke is even comparable in terms of the class that's being brought in. Um, I, I am excited about that. I'm not hopeless at all by any means going into the next season. I do think some of the decisions on this team are critical to how high the expectations should probably be next season. Um, but I, I do wonder too, though, just in this new era of, of college basketball of NIL transfer portal, and we still have, possibly two more years, I think, of COVID guys, you know, guys that are true juniors right now yeah. um, who played back in 2020, 2021, uh, you know, they could still have up to two more years. So the sport is still going to be pretty old next season. And just the movement, I just wonder, I am nervous personally having to rely on such a big freshman class next season to for, for a season that, I know we kind of said it to an extent this year, but I, I mean, I truly believe it next year. Like, I do think it's Final Four bust for John Calipari in Kentucky next season. I I have no intel on anything. I haven't talked to anybody. I know nothing. I think next year is it for Cal at Kentucky. I do. Win a national championship, losing the Sweet 16, losing the Elite Eight, miss the tournament. I I just think it's it. I I do. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it just kind of feels like that we're we're getting to a point here. I mean, he's he's not getting any younger. I know what sixty four years old is that what 
Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, he'll turn 65 during the season next year. So it, it just to me, I just think that it's kind of a and the, the perfect thing would be to go out with a final four appearance or a national championship. And it just feels like if they're and I will say this, if they win it all for some reason, I think it is it. Because I don't I think that's the like perfect ending to this, right? You have this really, really great start. And then you have the middle where it's you're still competitive enough, you're you're in the conversation, but then you have this really bad stretch, but then you get it right again. You get it right again. I don't think it's going to consistent. I don't know if it's going to be consistently there to stay right. I don't know. Like maybe that's just maybe that's just how I look at this, but I think he's made it a lot longer at Kentucky than I ever thought he would. I think we're actually reaching double digit years above what I thought he was going to be. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking maybe eight tops. And when I started covering the beat, I thought it might be two years and then we'd be talking about a new head coach. And then here we are. And I, I don't know if the struggles has kept him around, the wanting to get back to what it was, the desire to get this thing going in the direction that you had it. Because once you do it, you think in your mind, well, we can do this again. We Whatever I was doing then, I can do it again. I can fix it. It just hasn't got to that point. And I just feel like that any amount of success when it comes to tourney success, if they get to a Final Four, it just feels like it's – I don't know. It just feels like it's getting to the point of its time. And that's not criticism. That's more so of just – I don't know. I'm it's a little all over – I'm a little all over the place mentally just with this because I just <laughs> think it's a – I just think it's a lot. I think it's – I think digesting the Calipari era is going to be one of the hardest things to do from top to bottom. Because there's a lot of good, there's a little bad. There's not a ton of bad. No. But the drop off has been significant. And the drop off in the last, and I mean, you, the national media and stuff's coming at Cal the last couple of days, but they need to still, they need to go at Matt Painter at Purdue, but Purdue's not Kentucky. That's what comes with the job. And I think that's the one thing that got me down there in Greensboro this weekend is Cal kept talking that every job's hard, every job's difficult. No, dude, you're the one that's like this. I have the greatest job in the, all of basketball. If that's the pedestal you've put yourself on, then it's not the same. Matt Painter could lose to a 16 seed the next four years, and he's not going to have to answer the same questions that John Calipari does if he loses to one. It's Kentucky. Comes with the seat. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Well, he says. Um, no, I, I, I think – digest in the Calipari era and I probably if you're someone who follows me on Twitter and you're listening to this I think uh I've been painted as this anti-Cal person and I'm really not honestly I'm not um I like John Calipari if you were to ask me what my ideal scenario would have been it's absolutely would have been that Cal would have continued to perform at a high level because there are a lot of attributes. I don't I think some of the things that people say you have to be at Kentucky is overblown a little bit but I I don't think it I do think it matters to an extent and he is very good at a lot of the things that you need to be good at, at UK. Um, but it, it seems like there's a very still, I mean, I'm a little surprised maybe if I had Twitter and Twitter, you know, people were as active back around when Tubby Smith was still here. I know Tubby didn't quite have the highs that Cal has had, but I do wonder if he still would have had, Maybe it's just any coach, you know what I mean? Just like always is going to have a strong backing. I mean, there, I think he still has a lot of support from from certain people. I think there are a lot of people that are rightfully frustrated. I would I would put myself in that camp. I mean, it's not been 
great these past few years. And I'm not someone who thought that 2010 through 2015 was supposed to be how it was always going to be. That That is obviously not the case. I mean, that was a a run that when you do think about the Callier, depending on what happens moving forward, if, he, if it's just say he doesn't get back to a Final Four or National Championship level, even then the decades of, of great basketball that the school has seen, Cal's initial five to six years is as good as any, in some cases better. I mean, 38 wins twice. This this basketball program did a thing twice under him that it had never done to win that many games in one season. Um, and really, I mean, if you want to take it a step further to take out Adolph Rupp, like that's a tenure that will not be replicated at UK ever again. No one's going to coach 40 years at UK. So, I mean, he's kind of in his own category in some ways. He's gonna, if, if, if next year is his last year, then he's going to, you know, beat out Joby Hall by two years on the job and be here for 15 years. And going back to what you said earlier, I don't think anyone ever would have thought that John Calperi, when he got hired at Kentucky uh, in March of 2009, would be here now. Um, but yeah, I, my hope would be if it is going to be his last year and he is thinking, I mean, what, what we don't know is how much longer does he want to coach? That's kind of my question. If he is at peace with leaving and not coaching college basketball, within the next year or two, then I think he'll finish here. But if in his mind, he really wants to coach, I don't know, 10 more years, then I think it might make sense for him to think about other places because I, me personally, I don't see any way that he finishes that contract that he currently has right now at UK. Do you, I mean, I just don't think it would have to take a major turnaround next season. And then like I was telling you earlier today, if you do have that major turnaround next year, it would almost certainly have to be in a case where you have three to four one and dones. Plus you got a guy like Chris Livingston back. Who's going to go to the NBA after next season. Plus you probably got Antonio Reeves back. Who's going to graduate. It just feels like you would have to start your whole roster essentially over in 2024. And they don't have any commitments right now, which is fine. I'm not, not saying there's any reason to panic, but they don't have any commitments. I'm just saying the future is very murky after next season. Um, So that's why for a lot of the reasons that you said, and just the fact of how long he's been here, I tend to agree. Like, I think I will probably enter this upcoming season with the mindset that this is probably his last season and hope for the very best for him. Cause I want him to go out on a high note. Yeah. And I just think that that's where we are. I, I do. And I don't know if Cal thinks that I have no idea what Cal thinks. Like I have I have no clue what he could see. I could be sitting here thinking, one thing, and he could be seeing 10 years down the road at Kentucky and, and something. I, I don't know. But there there was one point that entering every season at Kentucky, even when the success was going on, that I kind of entered it thinking it might be his last. I don't know if that even makes any sense. But even the after the national championship and you had the NIT year and then they went on the run in 14, the, the Cavs were there, the, the possibility of leaving for Cleveland. And then it got to the point where every NBA job that opened up there was talk of Cal leaving for Kentucky for the NBA. And I'd kind of just operated the entire time that this could be it for Cal. But that was when things were on great terms. I haven't felt that way in the last three years, though, because I didn't think anyone really wanted to poach him from Kentucky because they've not been having the success that they had early on. So now it's getting to a point that I don't think Cal leaves for another basketball job. I think that Cal just leaves and retires. Whenever it happens, that's just my thoughts on it. I, I don't know. Uh, and we could be wrong. I mean, maybe they go on a run next year, get to a final four, and then he's got another recruiting class together, but it just feels like we're nearing the end of it. And 
look, he's the guy that said that this job is like aging you in dog years. Well, he's like the president. <laughs> yeah. And he's, that's, that's a long, long, that's a really old dog. Well, point. yeah. And just some of his comments this season, you know, and I, I think like any competitor, I mean, you know, guys are going to be upset when they lose. I get it. I'm not going to try to blast them over press conference etiquette, but just some of the comments on games that they lost talking about how tired he was, you know, wanting to go home, things like that. It's just, it's a different guy. And that's naturally going to be the case uh, this season where I was mostly disappointed, I think in Cal and some of this was injury driven. Um, and there's only so much you can do about that. It, it just felt like, throughout the whole course of the season. Some guys did individually get better. I'm not saying they didn't. It just felt like it took so long for this group to kind of figure out what they were. And it was just unexpected because this was one of the few times in his tenure that they did have a lot of guys back. And I know Oscar had his preseason surgery. He wasn't there. And I I do think it means something. I do think it was probably overblown though with that. I mean, Oscar played last season. He played at West Virginia. Like he wasn't new to playing college basketball. I get that you have a few new pieces around him. But you had Savier back. You had Toppin back. And Toppin stepped into a bigger role, but he had been – he played a lot of basketball at Kentucky the last two years. Lance was back. Uh, Collins had the unfortunate uh, passing of his father right when the season started. That pretty much threw his season off from the start. But, you know, this just shouldn't have been a group, in my opinion, that was going to take so long to gel. And it really just comes down to roster construction. But because you didn't do a great job assembling this roster, I would say, overall, it's led to – I thought very bizarre lineups playing Lance with Oscar. I just don't know why that was ever an option. You know, those are two guys that do not complement each other. Uh, a reluctance to play Chris at the four. And he would do it sometimes. He did it yesterday. Um, for a little bit, Chris was in there um, when Toppin was battling that foul trouble. They played Reeves and Frederick and Kaysen together and, and, and moved Chris down. But that's what concerns me more the next year than the talent is – He's already said on his radio show tonight, talking about playing two seven-footers together. Well, he just he also just now said that Xavier Wheeler would have played if they'd made it to next weekend. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe so. I, I'm careful to broach that subject. I, I just have to take them at their word and assume that he just wasn't able to help them. And it's tough because I think he definitely – he played his role very well. If you think back to that Vanderbilt game in Nashville, the – I mean, he played it perfectly yeah. that night. And uh, he, no doubt in my mind, Savir would have helped this team. I don't think he needed to be the starting point guard at a point, but with what he could have brought, especially whenever CJ hurt his ribs and basically just couldn't shoot and was just running around doing cardio, uh, Savir could have definitely used those minutes. And they might have won yesterday yep. <laughs> if Savir was able to do that. He, he also says there's an event in July that Kentucky will play in that will be publicized soon. Well, that'd be interesting. I mean, give the give the new guys a chance to kind of mesh together. This, I guess isn't, this isn't what you want to be doing during right the Sweet 16, right? Like, you don't want to be talking about July and, and what's coming and all this stuff. And I think that's the fan frustration here. And I told you this yesterday that the frustration yesterday, honestly, I think it was handled by fans a lot better than I expected it to be. And I don't know. I, I didn't get on Twitter a ton last night. I've been on there today, and I've not seen a ton of crazy – I just see a fan base that the previous two to three years piled on top of yesterday was where the frustration lies. It did not lie in Greensboro yesterday. It lied more so in missing the tournament altogether in one year, not having the tournament, not getting the chance to make a run, and then losing to St. Peter's. 
that was that's the frustration that I see in the fan base because but losing in the second round is not acceptable. But they did get beat by a K-State team that has arguably been right there all season as one of the better teams in in the country. And I listen, I like Jeff Goodman. He's a friend of this podcast. But his tweet yesterday just I didn't agree with the end of it. Like, are we really going to dig up that K-State was the pick to finish last in the Big 12? Because we could also dig up that Kentucky was a preseason top five team and K-State struggled to beat them. Like, I mean, are we – but just – I mean, come on now. Like, I just hate the narrative stuff here. Kentucky wasn't good enough, and that's the bottom line. They weren't good enough in November. They weren't good enough in December. They weren't good enough in January. They kind of found a point in February where they you thought they had it together. But I felt like that it was – I just felt like a lot of false hope that maybe they'd figured it out. I don't think – I mean, Cal, even every time that Cal got an opportunity to kind of talk, oh, you left it, you had us out. You – every time – no NCAA tournament, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Like, it was just like, man, you won one game here. Like, why are we taking a victory lap? Like, <laughs> let's see what happens here in a couple of weeks. Another early SEC tournament exit, another NCAA tournament exit early – that's not the standard at Kentucky. It's not. And I mean, we're talking about a, listen, Tubby Smith got ran out of town for a, doing more than what Cal's done in the recent stretch. And Billy Gillespie, granted he had other issues, but his winning percentage is no different than what John Calipari's has been for the last couple of years. I just think it's a, a very difficult situation um, to really get your, to get a good feel for because for I don't know anybody my age, I mean maybe you fit in this like you're, you're a little bit older than I am so you remember some of the some of the good tubby days a little bit more than I do but for a certain group of Kentucky fans their introduction to Kentucky basketball was that stretch from you know John Wall through you know where, where I think we all view the divide as post 2015. And there's probably a reluctance to move away from that. And a lot of that I think could be that there are just no slam dunk viable candidates that we just know would replace Calipari if he were to leave, retire, go somewhere else, whatever. I, I do think that adds to the to the angst a little bit. Um but you no, know, I accepted and I mean I knew Cal was never gonna be fired. I had the tweet that said it was time for him to go and people acted like I thought that's what that meant that, that Mitch Barnhart should fire him. I mean, he's the situation was not so bad here, um, with what they have coming in as well, that you're gonna give someone forty million dollars, not the coach. When I tweeted that, it was also right around when the Texas rumors, uh Travis Branham had mentioned that. And I don't know that that's even a thing anymore, although when uh Jeff Brazello from ESPN did his big coaching carousel piece there. It was probably the week before the conference tournament thereabouts, whenever, you know, it was about to get cranked up, the guys were about to get fired. I mean, that was still an item. His lead item was still that. And I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I, I, I do. I'm in that space where I'm, I'm fine. Like I think it's a legitimate stance to, to believe that, all Cal needs is this group like old times to come in and, and it'll be just like the good old days. I'm not quite that optimistic. I think this team, you know, definitely needs Chris Livingston back. I think he, he's a guy that to me, if he were to leave my expectations for next year, go way down. Cause I, I think that highly of him, I think as a sophomore, uh, he would be a guy that would, you know, has, has the kind of ceiling that, you know, if they bring Reeves back, that's fine. I mean, I'm not a, 
I'm fine with that. I think Reeves still has value. I'm not not going to hold it against him that he went one for 15 in a tournament game, but like he, he needs to be a role player, I think. And Chris is the kind of guy that could, at, at his very best, I'm not going to call my shot and say he's going to be an All-American, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility he could be that kind of guy next season. I, I would put it more like an all-SEC first-team type level, more so than like player of the year type. But they need him back. And you can talk me into being excited for next year's team. I mean, I think I, I'm going to give it a clean slate. I think every, most people will. People who want to see Kentucky win are going to do that. But I also, in my mind, if he were to leave, like I don't think it's the end of Kentucky basketball. I don't think – I mean, if you could get a guy like Scott Drew, and I'm not going to go here and name every single name out there who, who might be available or whatever – I'm just saying I think there is a portion of the fan base that, for whatever reason, is very scared of the future after John Calipari, and I guess I just don't fall in that category. I mean, five coaches have won titles here. Cal Stamp on this program is is, is there. He has a special place, I would say, in this program's history. And I'm not saying the next guy's going to come in and win a national title. I don't know, but I'm not – it's it's one of the best basketball jobs in the world, NBA, college, whatever. There, there's more reason for Duke fans to be eh about what they are than Kentucky fans. Yeah, more or less their whole history. Not not saying I mean, they had a little bit of history before Coach K, but more or less he had one dude coach you for 40 years and like bring yeah. you to heights never seen before yeah. for that program. But Joe B. Hall's won a title here and had success. Rick Patino, I mean, Tubby Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on. John Calipari. Like if you had – I mean, maybe this is a stretch, but you'd, if you'd let Billy Gillespie stay seven or eight That's years, stretch. maybe <laughs> lightning in a bottle would have come together at some point and they might have been on the verge of going to a Final Four. I don't know about winning a national championship, but history has shown us if you if you hire a guy and most of their hires yeah. have worked out. Look at the I mean, look at the last hires. I mean, Eddie Sutton had success here, just didn't get to a Final Four win a national championship. Well, you but, could have had Sean Kemp and Rex Chapman on the same team, right? Well, Eddie if, did get uh, Eddie did get to Final Four. He just didn't win a national championship. Is that correct? I don't think Eddie made it to the Final Four. Well, how many? So. Okay, that's right. That was late in Hall's era where they went to that Final Four. That's right. Um, but was successful. Patino, yeah. multiple Final Fours, national champion. Cal, multiple Final Fours, national champion. Whoever the next guy is, if he's here a decade, the chances are they're playing in a Final Four or two, and maybe win a national championship. That's what history has shown us that the head coach at Kentucky has success in that category. So I don't know. And may, maybe we're, we're getting too far ahead up because people probably want to know about next year's team. And right now I can't tell you much about yeah. it because I do not know what is, what it's going to look like. Uh, I think they're going to go portal for some spots. I do think my gut would tell me that out of all the guys that could possibly return, out of the seniors, I'm not going to get into Chris Livingston because I feel like he actually does have a decision to make. I think that Reeves makes sense on next year's team. I don't think the others do. Like Toppins, yeah, he's gone. Way, I just think that those guys are are gone. Wheeler, yeah. Like I, I just think that those, all those guys are gone, but I think that Reeves has a chance. Uh, CJ, just being in that locker room yesterday, kind of spoke like a guy that – might be the end of the road for him altogether in the game of basketball. But all those decisions will come out in the next six to seven weeks. And then you'll see what Kentucky does with the portal. If Kentucky's reaching out to people in the portal, and you know those reports are going to be flying like crazy over the next two to three weeks, 
you're going to get an idea of what positions Kentucky's reaching out on. If it's reaching out on the interior, then you're going to know. If they're not reaching out and on lists for guards, then they probably like what they get with Reeves coming back and what they have coming in. Like, I don't know. I just think that I do think next year is going to be better. It will be. I just don't know how much better it is. I I don't know. I want to see this entire roster. I want to see what everyone else has. I want to see John Calipari's coaching staff. Is Josh Pastner a part of this? Is there anyone else that leaves off this staff? We have no idea. That carousel is going to keep on moving throughout the tournament, and uh, there's jobs going to be opening up and things like that. I don't know. Is there is there another – if Kentucky doesn't go portal, is there another guy out there somewhere that, that, that they look at? High school route, reclass, decommitment from some of this coaching carousel stuff? I don't know. Like – there's, I just think that there's other – I think there's too many moving parts in college basketball now that you don't know until the 1st of June what it's going to look like. Well, certainly far too many moving parts for us to know the day after the season ended. To, uh, to know, I'm with you. I mean, it seems crazy to, like, not want Oscar back. I'm not saying that I don't want Oscar back. I just don't see – it's purely what have to be because he's just going to make so much money here at UK next season. But I don't know how that works, like – is all the NIL money that he had to come back this year, is that just roll over? Someone just going to fork that out for him again with other guys coming in? Because as crazy as it is to say, like this is a, is a great player, historically great player, honestly, by his numbers at UK. Um, you shouldn't wish someone like that away necessarily, but just in terms of priority for next season, whenever you see Cal already talking about playing two seven-footers, that tells me that, you know, I don't think he's considering the possibility that Oscar is going to be back. I'm with you. I think Reeves is really the only one that makes sense out of that senior group to come back. CJ is what it is with his career. I mean, just injuries is a story. I mean, a guy who a blood his hamstring in the layup line against Duke last year, right? I mean, yeah. cracked his rib, hitting uh, the guy, the, the video man under the goal, broke his finger or dislocated or whatever, just catching a pass. It just is what it is with him. Severe. You know, I don't think he's going to be around. And um, like I already said, Toppin, I mean, I think he – Toppin can probably be a pro next year somewhere. I don't know that it's going to be in the NBA, but he'll have a chance to to, to go the professional route. So it is going to be a new era uh, next season in terms of the roster. And I'm with you. Like, you know, you got to replace KT Turner, but uh, will Bruiser Flint go somewhere? Will you know, Chin Coleman, he signed a new deal last year, but who knows? I mean – you never really know what kind of opportunities these guys are going to get until the coaching carousel gets going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think to sum it up on my end, not, not real pleased. And I don't think anybody is. And uh, really at a spot where I'm just hopeful for the best more so than, you know, I will be excited come, come fall the way anybody is. I mean, it's a new, it's a new year and, a new chance for a team to do something different. I'm excited to see Reed Shepard play at UK, uh, yeah. the, the kid from the 13th region. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm excited to see DJ Wagner, uh, Justin Edwards, some of these guys that – And Dillingham's a guy that can make shots and go get his own. We just have no idea exciting. how that's going to work yeah. out. He's going to drive Cal insane, and then he's going to have Cal pumping his fist on the sidelines. I I don't know, but I will say this. If he plays two seven-footers together, I'm going to throw up on press row. Like, Is it I a can't. bit – does he just do this because he knows it makes people he mad? He does. Yeah. He, 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 <laughs> at this point, he has to know that everybody's going to lose their mind. It's all over Twitter right now. Yeah. Like, two seven-footers together, and no. like. Hey, what do you think about Onion Soto? I'm excited about that kid. I wish that they would have played him more this year. 
I think when you look back and you lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament, you wish that you could have developed some guys a little bit better. Damian being one of those pieces, too, that maybe could have forced some minutes here and there. Um, I just – I think Ugo is a, is a piece that to have some excitement about. And we knew that he was a project piece with a lot of potential long-term. I thought he was really good in interviews yesterday in the locker room in that moment. Uh, Adu is in that same category as a, a long-term project piece that maybe not next year. I, I don't know what his role will be next year. I don't think it's going to be a significant one. But He might I be seven see, foot by this time next year. I could see by junior year, though, Adu Thiero with a mass exodus from this class having a role with a Reed Shepard coming back as a sophomore. I, I think there's – I think there's minutes available for Reed next year at the point guard spot, whether it be in a backup role or playing alongside DJ or, or whatever, if you want to move DJ off the ball or if it's Rob in that spot. I don't know. They they have options. Their backcourt will be better next year than it was this year collectively, but they got to have some dudes make some shots. But we are running out of time here. Any quick thoughts? No, let's wrap it up. All right. Well, it's an unfortunate ending to the season, but we will have a ton to talk about in the coming weeks here on Kentucky Daily. So stay subscribed and as always leave a review and we'll be uh, back next time. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 